Well, hey everyone, I'm Tim. I hope you've been enjoying this service so far. My prayer for you isn't just enjoyment, but it's encounter with the Lord. We're going to have a reading now from the Bible. So let's read together from Philippians 4. We're continuing our series in Philippians, and we've come now to the first part of the fourth chapter. So let's read together. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. This short reading is sandwiched between much more famous verses, and it might be easy to miss, but I think God has a really clear message for us today. Through these verses and through his word, God would say to us today, stand firm and stand together. Through these three little verses come a fresh instruction and a reminder to remain faithful to the Lord and to be in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Stand firm and stand together. Paul is coming to the end of his letter here to the Church of Philippi. And I want us to know how personal and loving his writing is. Verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Look at how Paul heaps up the words of love. He calls them my brothers and sisters. He says, you're the ones I love. You're the ones I long for. He says, you're my joy. You're my crown. And he's appealing in love to say this. Therefore, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm. That means hold your ground. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep persevering. Stay faithful to God. Stand firm. Now, I know some people find them boring, but I'm one of those people who really likes the Lord of the Rings films. And in the third film, just at the moment of the final battle, Aragorn gives this rousing speech. You know, the gates of Mordor have just opened and the enemy armies are approaching. And Aragorn says before the amassed army, he says, hold your ground. He says, my brothers, a day may come when the courage of men fails, but this is not that day. This day we fight by all that you hold dear of this good earth. I bid you stand, men of the West. Oh, I get chills just thinking about it. And without making too fine a point of it, Paul is making that kind of appeal. He's saying to the Philippians, in the face of life, in the face of all that is to come, in the face of suffering, in the face of evil, in the face of sin, in the face of everything that you will come up against whilst you're on earth, stand firm in the Lord. Hold your ground. And he's saying, remain faithful to the Lord, no matter what you face, no matter what happens to you. Remain faithful to God because he is faithful to you. And God would say the same thing to us today in love. God says to us as HTC, stand firm in me. In the face of everything that is to come, remain in me, says the Lord. In the words of the band Journey, don't stop believing. Now the way we understand more about what Paul says here is from the second part of the little phrase, he says stand firm in the Lord in this way dear friends. So he's emphasizing what he's already said. So let's consider a bit of chapter 3 shall we? 
Remember, Paul has said this. He says that as we trust in Jesus, we receive, chapter 3, verse 9, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. As followers of Jesus, this is what we have. We have a righteousness that is not our own. This is such a gift because right now we are seen in the righteousness of Christ. That's what we have right now. But Paul highlights that there is so much more to come. He continues in verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Simply put, says, I want to be united with Christ in his life, in his suffering, in his death and resurrection. But he's not there yet. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What's that question that children ask parents on long car journeys? Are we nearly there yet? And parents with varying degrees of love and affection for their little brats, I mean beloved children, will answer them. So Paul, are we nearly there yet? And Paul says, no. This is Paul turning around the car to say, no, we're not there yet. And if you ask one more time, I'm turning this car around. Paul is saying, though we have a righteousness through faith in Christ, we are not yet at our destination. You see, when we get saved and born again, that is what we receive. As we said, we receive a righteousness that is not from our own. It's from God. If you're a Christian listening today, that is what you have. But Paul is saying that isn't our destination. Our destiny is unity with God in heaven. But we're not there yet. So Paul therefore says, stand firm until that day comes. He says, stand firm in this way. Don't be earthly minded, but be heavenly minded, eagerly awaiting your saviour, from heaven. So stand firm that one day you may be united with Jesus Christ in the resurrection of the dead. Don't stand firm as if by your doing it you'll earn God's grace, but through faith continue to the end of your days to put your trust in Jesus, because the best is yet to come. This is such an important message, whatever you're facing today, whether you face illness or depression or anxiety, or hopelessness, or loss, or grief, whether you're facing up today with the circumstances of your own life, whether you're faced today with your own sin or your own apathy, whatever you face, whether life is good or whether life is bad, God says to you, keep going. God says, stand firm in me, remain in me, keep putting one foot in front of the other, walk in step with my spirit. I've called you to walk with me all the days of your life, and life it's not a sprint, but it's a marathon with the Lord. God has intended us just for these little bursts where we're with him and then we're doing something else. God intends that every day of our life is a faithful walking in step with him. God says, be faithful to me because I will always be faithful to you. So HDC, stand firm in the Lord today. Remain in me, says God. Don't grow cold hearted. Don't wander away. Keep going. Don't backslide. Don't turn your back on me. Keep pressing on. Keep walking faithfully with me, says the Lord. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Fight the good fight of faith. Press on towards the goal to which I've called you heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Keep your eyes on me, says the Lord. Stand firm. 
but we don't just stand firm, we stand together. Paul has appealed in love for faithfulness and now he appeals, he pleads even, for unity. Verse 2, he says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sintic to be of the same mind in the Lord. And yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Once again, note how personal Paul's appeal is. He names Euodia and Sintic, who apparently have had some disagreement, and he pleads that they're of the same mind. He speaks the names to Clement and other people that he's worked with. He's writing to his true companion. And the theme of writing to all of them is unity. He longs that as they stand firm, they stand together. That they're of the same mind, that they help one another and that they contend together for the gospel. And so again, the Lord would say to us the same thing. Though we might not have the same potential situation or disagreement that seems to be there between Euodia and Syntyche, God's encouragement to us is to stand together as we stand firm. In fact, that's part of how God intends that we stand firm and remain faithful to him. It is as we stand together. I think a key question as we think about unity is what is our relationship with other Christians? Well, just using this passage, because we could look across all of scripture, just using this passage, we see a few things. What's our relationship to other Christians? Well, other Christians are firstly our companions. Verse three, Paul writes to his true companion. Other believers in Jesus are our friends, people we share life with and do life with and come alongside in mutual support and love. They're people we have a laugh with, they're people we cry with, people who we go through everything with. They are our companions. But other followers of Jesus are also our co-workers. Verse 3 again, Paul refers to his co-workers who have contended at his side in the cause of the gospel. The people of God are our co-workers for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus. God intends it that we work alongside others for his kingdom come. So Christians are companions, they're co-workers, and finally they're co-heirs. And by this I mean the New Testament phrase that shows that we have a unity with other Christians that goes far beyond any earthly connections. Paul says in verse 3 that his co-workers' names are in the book of life. And by this he means that having received a righteousness through faith that comes by putting your trust in Jesus, their destiny is also to await a saviour in heaven. And as we do that, this is why I say co-heirs, we get adopted into the family of God and become co-heirs of Jesus Christ, receiving everything that he is about to receive. What does Paul say in verse 1? He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, in the words of Sister Sledge. Sorry, that was too much. This is the most important thing about Christian unity. Our unity is not something we create, it's not something we fabricate, but something that God establishes through his spirit and we walk it out. God brings unity through bringing us into his family and then calls us to stand firm together. In Ephesians, for instance, the command is to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Not create it, not make it for ourselves, but work together to maintain what God has already created. And Paul's encouragement here in Philippians works in exactly the same way. That is the starting place. He's writing to people that are not just companions, they're not just co-workers, but they're co-heirs. People whose names are in the book of life, who have already been adopted into God's family. And he says to those people, those who are adopted, those whom God has brought together, 
Stand together in the unity that God has brought you. We have such a profound bond with other Christians. This week I had the chance to have a Zoom call with a man from Switzerland and we never met before and we were talking about mission work and his connection to a charity in India. And I've never met him, but we had a similar language, we had similar passions, we had a similar heart, all because of Jesus Christ. I'm sure you have found the same thing in your life. We have the capacity for such deep connection, despite radically different circumstances with other people, all through what God brings us into. You see, God brings us into a united family. He creates a family connection through the work of his Holy Spirit. That's what God does. And the command of the Bible, the command of Scripture, the command of Philippians here is to work together with those that God has brought us with. As we stand firm, God commands us to stand together. This is, we see this all through Scripture, but it's such an integral part. Remember that bit from Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You remember Jesus' great prayer in John 17 is that the church would be one so that the world may believe you have sent me. You see, God brings blessing through unity and the gospel extends through Christian unity. This is why Paul's encouragement to stand firm is immediately followed by the encouragement to stand together. You see, the way we are enabled to stand firm, remain faithful to God, and the way God extends his grace is as we stand together. But what does this look like practically? What does it mean to walk this out in our lives? For this not to be a concept, but for something we actually do. Well, there's much again we could say as we look across scripture. But from our passage, Paul has a few points. How do we stand together? Well, the first way we stand together is to be of the same mind. That comes from verse 2. That's what he's longing for, Euodia and Syntyche. And being of the same mind, although that is a real challenge, that isn't just when we agree with each other. But that's when there's harmonies, we share a common purpose, a common hope and common desires. So we stand together as we're of one mind. But also we stand together as we help one another. Verse three, Paul says to his true companion, help these women. How do we stand together as Christians? We help one another. We serve one another. We love one another with our time and our money and our practical ways. This could extend to so many things, but... It's a really powerful witness. When people see Christians loving each other, that is how God has intended for people to see his love. So we're to be of one mind, we're to help one another, and finally, standing together means contending for the cause of the gospel. Paul says his companions should help the women because they have contended at his side in the cause of the gospel. God intends it that we work together to share his good news. And the word contend, obviously, that carries connotations of a struggle. And sharing the gospel is not easy. In fact, you might face persecution for it. But the Lord says you are to do that together. And it is as you stand together that you stand firm. Stand firm, says the Lord to us today, and stand together. Stand firm, stand together. Where does that leave us? Well, you might be thinking, Tim... You've just given me a lot of homework. There's a lot of things for me to do. I've now got to pretend that I like everyone and I've got to be nice. And there's all these things. But that isn't the answer there. Yes, there are practical steps. The very practical steps to what the Lord might be saying to us today. The answer is not just all about our own effort. It is through a daily reliance on the Holy Spirit. You see, we are born again 
through the Holy Spirit and we stand firm in the Holy Spirit. We have received unity through the Holy Spirit and we continue in unity through the Holy Spirit. Paul in chapter one says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Oh, that we'd be a church that strives together as one for the faith of the gospel. What an aspiration, what a hope, what a prayer. But the thing that energises, the thing that empowers our striving together and standing firm is the Holy Spirit. The word striving suggests our own effort. And yes, there are things for us to do. Yes, we're called to give our lives to this. But God intends to empower us to do it through his Holy Spirit. You see, the way in is the way on. We come into God's family through the Holy Spirit and we stand together and we stand firm in the family of God through the Holy Spirit. And today on Pentecost Sundays, we remember those first disciples who waited on the Holy Spirit. That is what we need to do together. The prayer point that comes out of this Bible passage is not just, Lord, I've got to do all these things to faithfully live for you. So give me the physical strength to do it. It's Lord, today, fill me with your Holy Spirit. As you hear the call to stand firm and stand together. As we see that mandate that God has set us to live faithfully to him and to live faithfully with other followers of Jesus. Our response must be to ask for God's power to help us do that very thing. Today we must pray again. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. So let's pray together. We're going to have some worship in a moment and I would encourage you that during that time you're continuing to seek the Lord. But let's just spend a moment praying. Let's spend a moment asking for God to fill us again. Lord, thank you so much for the way you so clearly speak through your word. Thank you for the voice of your spirit that has been at work even today. And I pray, God, that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit. As we hear the call to stand firm in you, as we hear the call to stand together and as we see the ways to work that out, we're asking God not just for our own resources and our own strength. We're asking for your incredible, wonder working power at work in us. Come and fill us with your Holy Spirit once again, Lord. Come and fill us, Lord. I'll encourage you, even wherever you're watching, just to hold open your hands before the Lord. Not because it's magic, but it's just a way of saying, Lord, I want to receive the gift again of your Holy Spirit. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we have you in our lives as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. But we want to walk in step with you. We want to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us the strength, give us the energy, give us the heart to walk out all that you are calling us to. Lord, we want to be those who are faithful to you to the very end of our days. Lord, we want to be those who do not isolate ourselves, but work together with your people that you so dearly love. Today, God, we wait on you. Today, God, we ask that again you would fill us. In Jesus' name. Amen.